is going to be a long episode. Hey guys, this is Samuel with another episode of Learnings where I share my notes and commentary on multiple hours of YouTube videos that I watch just for the sake of self-education. I often cover two or three interviews, seminars, under the ideas of giving, getting, and the future where the two inevitably meet one another. I like starting with sort of a weekly review, but first I want to say that I went on a walk in, I just went on a walk in my town, Westchester, Pennsylvania. I live downtown and I just remember thinking, because there's this fair, we have those like once every month or two. I have no idea what for. I just spend pretty much all my time in my apartment. <laughs> <laughs> making music and beats and podcast episodes and YouTube videos. Those four things are pretty much my life at the moment. So I work more on those than I do on work and at, than I do on work at work. And I do work quite a bit when I'm at work, um, on work. So I just also drank a five hour energy and took my afternoon meds. So I'm feeling for lack of a better word, ready. <laughs> but I just remember walking by and seeing all these people and thinking, wow, what a beautiful town, such beautiful people. I love this time of year because I feel like the low temperature of the outside world, it, it, it really pushes us to experience a higher temperature in our inner worlds, our inner circles of people. I think that's where the whole notion of cuffing season came from, but I'm very grateful to be living in such a beautiful town with such beautiful people, even though I don't really have any friends. <laughs> so last week, <laughs> I ran out of Adderall. <laughs> After having finished eight beats, composed structuring, layering, mixing, mastering, writing, recording hooks over them, mixing those in, mastering those, bouncing them, putting them up everywhere, making videos for each of them. It's not as much work as it sounds like uh, when you batch all of it together. Oh, and scheduling them too. You guys know how I am with batching tasks. They're all on YouTube, dropping my remix of Lucid Dreams by Juice World later today, a link to which can be found in my bio on here. Coming up, I have a financial scarcity type beat. Here, here's, here's my take on type beats in just a couple of ideas. A workaholic contagion type beat, an as soon as possible type beat, two SpaceX type beats, an existential crisis type beat, a military war zone type beat, and a stock market. Market type beat. I also started writing out my insights for not just next month, but also December. So as far as YouTube videos, by next month, I will be working on videos that are coming out next year. Uh, I love to be ahead of myself. I love to work in my own future uh, of my own schedule. It's comforting to know that by doing that, I will have created time for myself to really get good at other things if I seriously want to. But I've heard focus creates wealth and diversity creates riches. So I think I'm just going to keep doubling down on all this shit as I see more results. Anchor is not a developer platform it's like like something like youtube it's very weird to me i have no yellow fuck of a clue who listens to these podcast episodes at the moment but whoever you are i really appreciate you Video one is Kanye meets with Trump at Fox 32 Live. This week was a little odd. We had a meeting that got so much press, I don't even know why they let all these people in. They were probably like, here, if you shut the fuck up and let us talk, you are certainly welcome to take as many pictures and record as much video as you want. Also, I think Trump and Kanye are both kind of extroverts naturally. That's kind of how they are as individuals. Um, so that's probably why. And, and what's weird is like it was a meeting and they, they, had, they probably had lunch privately, but they were like, Kanye and Trump are having lunch and no one actually documented the lunch they just document like maybe that was supposed to be the lunch but like it was kind of like lunch for me where I don't really eat lunch I kind of just sit and do things start by saying Kanye has gotten so much backlash over this. I support anyone who is successful, specifically because of their determination. I'm always looking at these people like, damn, they did it. They fucking, they did something, they did something right. And people are always like, all she did was say a line on a Dr. Phil show. See, but she doesn't deserve to be famous. Well, bro, I don't know if she saw it coming like that. Like, I'm pretty sure just more went into it than just that. Like, that's just what you think based on what you know. There's a book I heard about in the last episode, if you guys saw it, or I mean, listened to it, called 
Black Swan. It's about how people use, and I got it, I haven't, I haven't bitten into it yet, but it's about how people will use only what they know in a sequence of events to come to a conclusion of narrative. Maybe she had to meet some manager, and the manager had her shake a fuckload of hands from people she just didn't feel like meeting. I can't imagine how much shit this girl ended up having to go through that she just didn't feel like going through, but kept going through just to see more success. I just love how outspoken and open Kanye is about supporting Trump. I wish more people would look at the rich and successful and wonder, what can I do to get things like that, get results like that without, without like compromising, you know, like what I see as ethical and moral and like worth doing. If you think the universe is meant to work on fairness and justice, let karma do that. If you have to worry about yourself, I'm sorry, I have held back these words long enough, but you are a fucking idiot and you will probably live your entire life getting stepped on by other people according to yourself. Life is not based on fairness. It's based on natural fundamental laws that none of us control. But I think the people who use those laws as leverage, whether they know it or not, are the ones who are always being envied, whether they do it for the better good of humanity or they don't. It's fucking pathetic to me. It really is. It's so pathetic that someone thinks they are entitled just because they work hard just to feed their kids or some shit. That's such a poverty mindset. And people who came from poverty themselves have gotten out of it, starting with themselves, even with kids. So you have absolutely no fucking excuse. Kanye says that people think that if you're black, then you have to be a Democrat. Some people say you're Democratic because of welfare, that they're Democratic because of welfare. Apparently the murder rates of Chicago have gone down 20%. Kanye is a lot more level-headed, in my opinion, than people think. As he explains these things, he looks at the crowd of photographers around them, and I find that interesting. He puts his Make America Great Again hat on, and he says he felt powerful when he wore it because of his, his parents' divorce when he was younger. He wasn't around a father figure much, and he put on the hat, it gave him a feeling of, you know, like playing catch with his dad or something. There's something about it, despite the fact that he's in a family of what, like four and they're all, and he's the only male. I think they're saint, but I, I mean, I don't really know that much about the West family. It's not something I pay that much attention to. <laughs> He was diagnosed with bipolar. I was too. Actually, not bipolar, but something like it called NOS, which is like, you know, like mood disorder not otherwise specified. He met with a neuropsychologist then, and the guy was like, no, you actually just have sleep deprivation, and it could get worse if you don't treat it to the point where you won't remember your son's name at all at any day in 20 years because of like dementia and shit. So he's like, we can empower our mental health institutions, we can empower our companies, we can empower this, we can empower that, and I think. We can empower our own country by trying to persuade them to vote for us by using techniques like parallelism. That's parallelism, right? I don't remember. But just starting things the same way and repeating them in different ways. Starting things the same way and doing things different with them. Starting things the same way like I have with the last three things I just said and going from there. Because if you talk about things like empowerment, it makes people feel empowered. If I do this in the podcast, it's probably inspired by politicians like Trump and authors like Seth Godin. It has absolutely nothing to do with political preference. I think that would be stupid. Trump has a great smile. I feel like every president has a great smile. Speaking of which, Ye was like, I need Democrats to understand that this is our president. If he doesn't look good, we don't look good. We gotta make this dude look fly as hell. He just went on and on for like 13 minutes about a lot of shit. It was really dense. He made a lot of interesting points. Trump's like, I don't know what to say to all that. I'm sure he's very nice to be around. He has a very warm looking demeanor. Like I said, I hate the idea of caring more about one side than the other. If the person in his seat were Obama or Hillary or Bernie Sanders, I'd probably be saying the same type of shit. 
Trump's extremist viewpoints I don't know much about. I'm quite apolitical, obviously, but I'm sure I wouldn't exactly agree with them <laughs> that much. Uh, he raised the point that people in Chicago, I mean, Kanye did. Uh, I don't really want to say black people. I mean, I haven't been to Chicago, and uh, I like to think it's a little obvious, maybe, that I'm not black. I'm sure there are other people of other co colors there, but um, generally, like he said, we kill each other more than police officers, which I found interesting. People watch shit like this saying we're so fucked. These are the people running our country. They, they, they say it like it's impossible to watch things and just fucking listen to what these people are saying. I used to be like that. I'm not anymore. I'm not woke or something. I just educated myself on things like ego and judgment, and I will continue to for sure. But I think I'm at the point where no matter who this is, I'm most likely going to be like, okay, what is there to learn? I don't remember the last time I looked at a celebrity ever and thought, fuck him. He's famous. I hate his philosophy. I hate what he does and says and everything about him. Fuck him. Somebody asked what he wants to, Trump to do for Chicago, and Ye was like, he was like, you know, he said that they feel that stop and frisk doesn't help relationships with the city. And everyone told Ye before, because everyone told Ye before going to the White House, they told him to ask about stop and frisk, whatever that is. Uh, he mentioned industries and tax breaks, and he said there should be more industries and stuff or education centers in places like Chicago. I think Ye has a better chance at running for mayor of Chicago than POTUS, to be honest. Uh, so in education centers, he thinks it should be more about uh, excitement, fun, empowerment, and such than normal school. I, I, I agree very wholeheartedly. He's like, he's like, these people look at kids saying, he has ADD, he has ADD, he doesn't have ADD, school is just fucking boring. It's not as exciting as this. Boredom, I would argue, is the biggest problem in society, period. It is the cause of more terrible underlying problems than most people aren't willing to take conscious notice of. He said, you should overlap curriculums like playing basketball while you're doing math. You should learn about music while you meditate in the morning. I think meditation should be part of the typical curriculum, especially in places like Chicago, where I don't know, it seems like people are really unhappy with their conditions. It's not going to chill them out or get them complacent, maybe, uh, but maybe like make them more at peace with each other. I don't know. I'm not an expert on these subjects. <laughs> Some people in the comments now, maybe yay supporters, they're like, dude, I'm not hearing anything I disagree with. I mean, it doesn't really sound like he's biased against anybody, like, whatsoever. Um, he seems really spiritually, uh, like, interested, somehow. He said that black people have an issue with the word again, when it comes to a make, make America great again. Uh, I have not heard of this. Uh, at least that I think. Again, I, I hate to say the word again, but I really don't pay attention to shit like this, obviously. I know that's not in my expertise. Even as a hip-hop artist, I want... More, I want the more knowledgeable people to focus on things like that. And when they're like, bro, we need your support, I'm going to be like, okay, guys, here's my support. But only on my own judgment. I try to weigh my scales based on, based on my own virtues and merits. I want to stay stand up for what I, what I believe in, you know, kind of like Kanye is doing. But I don't want to be like a dick to anyone while doing it. He said he made a hat that says, make America great. Uh, he said he would love to see Trump wearing one of those hats at the Super Bowl to state like, okay, we can benefit on this side and this side, and we can be malleable in the infinite universe and the loving beings that we are. And we don't have to stick to some tradition because we are one country, one unity, one moment in time in history. And I think that's pretty sick <laughs> in, a good, in a good way.
Trump was like, how does it feel to be in the Oval Office? You're in the Oval Office. He's like, there's some good energy here. And he, and he said, yay is doing very respectable things. Trump said he hates to see what's happening in Chicago. He goes there a lot, and it's not, it's not for this. He, he says it's not for this country. Uh, he's like, if we, can do, if we can do it and it was something in a different way, he's open to do anything. He's like, he's like, but something has to change. Some people, or a lot, think that Ye is just trolling us all. He's just messing around trying to get attention. I think one of the laws of power, or part of one of them, is not being 100% transparent on your uh, intentions. But regardless of what he's trying to do, it's definitely a cute little show he seems to be putting on for us. I think it's interesting to entertain as a thought or two or three, but that's my $2. <laughs> Video two is Be Positive, The World Is Not Falling Apart by Steven Pinker. Cognitive scientist and Harvard professor. These people know their shit, I like to think. They don't fuck around. I mean, maybe Harvard is just a brand that you hear about. Oh, Harvard studies concluded this or that, and it's just automatically true. But ones like Amy Cuddy or uh, Steven Pinker, Amy Cuddy wrote this book called Presence. It's about body language, which is an amazing book. Uh, I think they're pretty trustworthy. And they're not like, they don't talk in a way that like, that sounds really condescending. Like, I feel like a lot of shit they say is very, it's very understandable to the, uh, to the average person above the age of like 18 or 19. They share a very realistic perspective, a fresh one, maybe not, maybe not a fresh one, but one in a fresh way on human progress. It's right up my alley, the progression of humanity. And he shows how news makes us a little bit more pessimistic than we need to be. Uh, to, to further that progress. You guys know I'm all about that perfect balance and I'm naturally a pessimist, so I come across as looking on that more optimistic side of things. Maybe you could hear it just in my voice. Uh, it's really just to kind of equalize myself and tip the scales to balance them out just a little. Uh, I wanna get in the habit of looking at things differently from how I used to just so that eventually it'll feel second nature and I won't have to try to do that. But I think we should all somehow try to aim for that perfect balance. I think pessimism can leave a lot of thoughts in your head that uh, they don't just reflect within, which seeps into the into effects on your body language and your actual health and sh your long-term health and shit. But it it distracts you from your work and your productivity and productive use of time and your time with your family. Things that you really seriously, like deep down, value highly. Um, and th those are like part of part of like those are part of which I've thor I've thoroughly studied and applied. Is concentration? It is one of the great sources of the civilizations we live in today. We cannot be fucking with it like we do with these it's news outlets and pessimism. So this is an extremely important video to me, at least. There's all these older conservative ideas. I hate to use that word, but there are newer ideas and perspectives this guy wants to introduce instead of just those. It's based on older ones, however, like the early 19th century Enlightenment period. This, and it didn't really sustain, but somehow it's, it's, it's creeping back in a really big way, a subtle way, but a big way that people aren't really, you know, the mainstream isn't really paying attention to. And we go, we go deeper into that uh, in, later in the episode, but this enlightenment centers on four main themes, reason, science, humanism, and progress. Reason is not negotiable. When you argue why you're right or why other people should believe in you, that, you know, you're not lying or bullshitting, you have lost your argument argument because you are trying to use reason against reason itself. Humans are instinctually not reasonable. Humans generalize from anecdotes, reason from stereotypes. We all seek evidence that confirms our own beliefs and ignores evidence that disconfirms them. And we are overconfident about our knowledge, wisdom, and rectitude. I didn't know that was a word. I don't know what it means, but uh, it probably has something to do with not words like knowledge and wisdom. The second value is science. It's based on the notion that the word is that the world is intelligible. It's the most reliable way of understanding the universe 
universe, the world, and ourselves. And beliefs about society are testable, like any other belief of reality. The third value is humanism. The ultimate moral purpose is to reduce the suffering and enhance the flourishing of humanity. This is basically Samuel as a brand in one sentence. Who the fuck would be against that? Apparently lots of people. People think it's to enhance the flourishing of just their tribe, country, race, class, etc. People think it's to obey the dictates of a divinity and pressure others to do the same. People think it's to achieve feats of heroic greatness. People think it's to advance a, a mystical dialectic struggle or pursuit of a utopian age. Our circle of sympathy is pussy small. It is so fucking tight and little, and the forces of cosmopolitanism, education, true journalism, art, mobility, aka the ginormous comfortable dick of realism, that we only feel the sympathy of our friends, family, and cute fluffy animals, but the diameter can grow. <laughs> final idea, the final value, the fourth, is progress. The theory is that if we apply knowledge and sympathy to reduce suffering globally, we can enhance, you know, we can, we can enhance flourishing, we can gradually succeed. What I aim to do with my music is to spread ideas like this into the mainstream. I want to apply them to the places everyone's attention is flowing into, like the billboard charts and the news outlets and sports and shit, and people are like, good luck with that, buddy, we're all fucked. Yeah, people said that to the Wright brothers before they executed the full invention of the airplanes. People said that to Tom Edison before he was like, I'm going to invent a bunch of shit and you're not going to stop me. But um, they did that shit anyway, so um, I'm going to do that shit anyway. <laughs> Intellectuals hate progress somehow, especially individuals who say that they like progress. <laughs> um, not surprisingly, I suppose. They think you have a blind faith by believing in it. You have this quasi-religious belief. This cra- this is- this is crazy. They think you have this quasi-religious belief in the outmoded superstition, false promise of the myth of the onward march of inevitable progress. I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up, please. If you are like, if you are like me, you are essentially, in their words, a cheerleader for vulgar American can-doism with the rah-rah spirit of boardroom ideology, Silicon Valley, and the Chamber of Commerce. We are practitioners of Whig history, native optimists, or naive optimists, Pollyannas, I don't know what half of this shit is, pan-glosses, I don't know what that is, but progress is not a matter of these things, it's a matter of empirical hypotheses. A we the well-being of humanity can be measured by things like life, health, sustenance, prosperity, peace, freedom, safety, knowledge, leisure, and happiness. Now, I have no idea how the fuck we would bother quantifying these things, but if they have increased over time globally, it's pretty safe to say that we are making progress. For most of human history, life expectancy of humans was just estimated to be like 30 years. But starting with sanitation, public health, vaccination, and other advances in, in you know, medical areas and stuff, in Europe, America, and Asia, and even Africa, it has gone from 30 to 80 years. It, is, it shows a general pattern of human progress. This is fucking dope. The death of children was a huge thing for... This dude just hits us with tons and tons of statistics now. <laughs> this video was from like, like 2017 or like or like earlier this year but the, but it was a huge thing for a while one third of kids did not live past five some like pretty much around the world sweden canada north south korea chile and motherfucking ethiopia the countries people are like dude the warlords of the rape and mass hysteria these kids their mortality rate went down from 30 to six percent in a few decades Wow, I mean, I think that's progress. Maybe this dude is just on top of his shit, but these seem like real facts. <laughs> so, I don't know. 
famines have been stopped pretty much because they only take place now in the in mo in the most war-torn corners of the world started with the you know like industrial revolution there is more exponential growth in well of wealth in places like Europe the you know the US the UK uh, South Korea India, China, global prosperity has really actually increased. A dramatic reduction in extreme poverty has also gone down. Defined by, you know, the World Bank as $1.95 a day, $1.95 a day to sustainably feed oneself and one's family, in 1820, 90% of the world met that definition. Today, that 90% that 90 is now less than 10%. In 12 years from now, just 12 years, at 2030, the World Bank is expecting to entirely eliminate that number to zero, what I like to call the bitch number. International inequality has decreased in gaps as poor countries are getting richer faster than rich countries. This gap opened up what, what, he, what he said it should open up after around the start of the industrial age, uh, and poverty is not increasing. Uh, in 1960, a third of the popula population met a definition of falling below the poverty line, but thanks to social transfers like disposable income, the poverty rate is around 6% and probably decreasing. So it went from a third of, the, a third of us to down to fucking like one-sixth of a third which is what one-eighteenth is just six percent for peace war was actually the natural state of relations and peace was just a rest between wars it wasn't something like oh yay we're good now it was just a rest between we're like you know we were fucking killing each other for a really long time and now we're just taking a little break that's what was considered peace just the definition of peace has changed greatly you know like globally uh, for the most part. The great powers used to be at war all the fucking time. By the 20th century, there were, really weren't that many wars at all. There was a roller coaster, you know, sort of for Korea, Vietnam, Iraq, and I think either Arabia or, um, or Iran. But now, there's a 120th percent chance of dying in a war compared to when there was, you know, in the 50s. Most countries are now more democratic than autocratic. Governments have been constrained on the terrible things they can do to their citizens. The death penalty will probably vanish off the face of the earth sometime in the next 10 to 15 years. The overall trend toward homosexuality is heading toward a 100% tolerance. This is like a weather forecast, but it's not for weather. It's for everything I care about. Pretty much just the future of humanity. Child labor is kind of dying off, you know. The global decrease in child labor is 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 going up is like being substantially grown violent crimes in the middle ages the rate of homicide was like 35 per hundred thousand a year uh england belgium netherlands it all shrunk down to one <laughs> the trajectory in italy southwest u.s and india it went down a lot as well the most violent western democracy you know the u.s aka us <laughs> we have ironically cut out we have ironically cut our murder rates in half over the last maybe 50 years or so. Or actually not even for 30 years or so. That was actually a roller coaster. And then in the late 90s, uh, it started going down a lot. Uh, the rest of the world followed and it still is following. Rape and domestic violence, especially in the U.S., have gone down a lot. Like 75% de decline since the 70s. That's fucking disgustingly huge. And there's progress still. But I feel like people aren't grateful for this. There's so much crying about rape and domestic violence as if it's ruining more lives. Than, ever, than it ever did. And it's fucking terrible. But if you look at the past in that area, every now and then, I think the journey of taking that percentage down to the bitch number is a lot more fulfilling and it makes it more inspiring rather than, you know, we're just trying to stop rape and domestic violence, specific violence specifically because of only fear. 
I have noticed some humanitarians, even feminists, preaching this philosophy, and I totally fucking agree with them. Again, I feel like a lot of it is about energy and the energetic, almost spiritual space you come from when you approach these things. We are 90% likely, less likely to die in a plane crash, 95% less likely to die on the job, far less likely to die in an earthquake. Dude, this guy is just fucking us all with the facts. Truth bombs everywhere. Go damn, like, go us. Americans are 96% likely to be killed in a lightning strike than last century. In the early modern period, one of six Americans could read and write. Now, 75% of the world is, is literate, and the illiterate people are on track to receiving literacy. Uh, somewhere, somehow we are getting smarter, <laughs> believe it or not. In, the, in what's called the Flynn Effect, a newer thing, uh, average IQ, <laughs> it all grades, uh, average Instagram, IG, has been increasing by just over three points a decade for the last century in the Americas, Australia and New Zealand, Africa. Europe, Asia, and pretty much globally, I suppose. Uh, last century, there were they were 30 points lower, according to the Flynn effect. And I know IQ isn't the only intelligence there is. Uh, I mean, at least I'm pretty sure, like the last time I checked. But this is what he hits us with. Last century, most people were working over 60 to 70 hours a week. Now most of us work less than 40. And we get way more shit done because of work simplification. Even things like water, electricity, fridges, stoves, running water, microwaves, stoves, washing machines, dishwashers, labor-saving devices. That's just in housework, disproportionately to women, I suppose. He mentioned that. Uh, leisure time has gone up significantly for men and women. And how much of this affects happiness? <laughs> Money, some... Kind, somehow kind of does affect happiness. Even if it doesn't, there seems to be some correlation with it. I mean, there are so many other fucking variables. Dude, it's, it, like, this is the progress of humanity we're talking about. Like, like the, the likeliness of this being a direct correlation is kind of, like, crazy. Uh, as far as, like, how low it is. But these countries have happier citizens as a function of higher GDP per capita over time. None of them at all are going down with this. Literally, like, at all. Whatsoever. As the world gets richer, it has gotten happier per, per our own self-ratings on average by country. So why do people deny progress? Here are some reasons. One of them is called, it's kind of big words, the availability heuristic. I had no idea what the fuck this was. So if you're like, um, what? Then uh, I was too. <laughs> we assess risk based on our ability to recall examples from memory. This is why I just don't really like to talk to people about things. <laughs> Many of us tend to just do this and the biases and everything show like, like greatly. I try to avoid most things like this while at the same time opening myself up to them because you never know what you might actually learn from them. But the nature of the news is about things that happen, not things that don't happen. Because no reporter is like, here I am reporting from a country that's not at war or a city that's not suffering a terrorist attack or a school that is not being shot up. <laughs> being shot up, not been shot up. So if you combine the nature of human cognition with the nature of the news, it goes to the conclusion that the world is getting more dangerous and always has been. Maybe there's more to it than this, but again, this is just one reason. Oh wait, no, here we go. Another reason is the negativity bias, is what it's called. Bad and stronger than good. People think bad is stronger than good. I mean, it kind of is. And we think about and feel bad events more than good ones. So is it good to be pessimistic? Um... 
No, it's good to be accurate. It's important to be aware of bad things, but it's just as important probably to be aware of how we can reduce them. If you just think about all the bullshit that's happening, you're risking a lot of things for yourself. It's thoughtless. You are attracting fatalism. Like, why throw money on a hopeless cause and and radicalism? Like, smash the machine, drain the swamp, burn the empire to the ground. Only I can fix it. It sounds like politicians to some degrees. <laughs> Is progress inevitable? I mean, no, but solutions create new problems and nasty surprises are going to happen, of course, like the world wars, you know, the crime boom of the 1960s, AIDS in Africa, opioidemic, opioid academ- epidemics, global challenges like climate change, but we can probably solve them with things like decarbonization decarbonization and shit. As far as nuclear weapons, the size of the world's arsenal since the Cold War has been reduced by 85%. Trajectory shows it's possible to bring it down to zero. Is the conquest of all this shit boring? Do people need to believe in heroes, gods, and shit like and shit like that? No, because you could argue with all of these statistics together that the conquest of it is is spiritual and heroic and all that other shit. So it's fucking worth pursuing, in my opinion. 